Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Church Podcast. We're happy that you would join us for today's teaching. As a church, we're passionate about helping people find and follow Jesus, no matter who they are or where they are from. If you have any questions about Jesus, the church, or the teaching you're hearing today, please don't hesitate to contact us online at ericksoncovenant.ca. And now, let's listen to this week's teaching. Greetings, Erickson Covenant Church. Uh, My name is Samuel Williams, and I just want to give a little bit uh, of background about myself. I was born in a city called Chennai in South India, and I lived um, around 24 years of my life there uh, before moving to Canada. I'm married to Angie, a Korean-Canadian, and together we have three uh, beautiful daughters. Uh, I've been involved in pastoral ministry for around 20 years in the greater Toronto area. And I'm also uh, currently um, a registered psychotherapist and the lead pastor of Avenue Community Church, which is part of the Evangelical Covenant Church of Canada. Um, It's a joy to worship with you this morning. And uh, I want to thank Pastor Tom for the invitation to speak. And thank you all for your partnership and friendship in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you join with me in prayer? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our collective hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and redeemer. Amen. Many years ago, I had the opportunity to work as a chaplain in a hospital in downtown Toronto. And one night I was called to provide spiritual care to a young woman who had just heard the devastating news that her mother had died on the operating table. As I met her, she exploded in tears and said, I wish I could have spent more time with my mother. I told her everything is going to be okay, but I just wish I knew that I wasn't going to see her again. I wouldn't have led her to go into that operating room. What am I going to do now without my mom? How am I going to live my life without my mom? And then she looked straight in my eyes. I will never forget this. She said, why me and why now? Few years ago, someone very close to me that I love and respect and uh, was caught, not just in one, but multiple extramarital affairs. I felt like someone punched me uh, really hard in the stomach. I was devastated and I was angry at this person. My heart broke for his wife and his children. And even as a pastor for over 15 years at that time, I couldn't help but wonder why his family should suffer so much for his unfaithfulness. And I asked the question, why God? Why? We find this in scripture to consider the book of Job. Job cries out, why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb? The prophet Jeremiah cried out to God. He asked the same question, why? He said, why is my pain unending and my wound grievous and incurable? David cries out in Psalm 22 and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in the Gospels, we see in the agony on the cross, Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
pain and suffering is a universal experience and we are all becoming more and more aware of this especially during this pandemic and these last few months have been difficult for many people the loss of family routines changes in the economy changes in jobs scarcity the loss of connection cancellation of events the loss of people and the growing tensions of racial inequality have impacted all of our lives in some way shape or form and there's no doubt we all experiencing grief and loss to varying degrees at this very moment it doesn't matter whether one believes in god or not suffering is real for everyone and when you and i suffer when humanity suffers we ask the question why why me why them why now why this way why god the question why in these circumstances are are not necessarily a question that is requesting for more information but it is a cry of pain psalm 22 is a cry of pain if you already didn't know the book of psalms is a collection of prayers and it teaches us how to pray it gives us language for our own prayer life and it has been a prayer book for the people of Israel and the church for many many centuries one of my favorite pastoral theologians is Eugene Peterson and he wrote this little book called answering god and in this book he points out that traditionally in hebrew thought the torah which is the first five books of the bible genesis exodus leviticus numbers and deuteronomy deuteronomy it is god's word to us god speaking to us and he says the book of psalms is also organized in a similar way in, in into five books because it is training the people of god how we answer to god or how we engage in response to god and when you read through the book of psalms you will see that it's actually like reading someone's personal journal it is raw it's uncensored it's unfiltered and it just is totally honest about what's going on in someone's heart in someone's life in someone's circumstances in psalm 22 david asks the question why we need the psalms because it teaches us how to pray the psalms teach us neither to deny our emotions or be hijacked by our emotions but they teach us to be honest with our emotions and pray through our emotions process our emotions in prayer and so in psalm 22 david asks this question why he says in verse 1 and 2 my god my god why have you forsaken me why are you so far from saving me so far from my cries of anguish my god i cry out by day but you do not answer by night but i find no rest and we don't know the exact circumstances of the psalm that david is praying but as you read the psalm you'll quickly realize that david is in a lot of pain and he's suffering the same david who knew god from his childhood the same david who has seen god do some uh, crazy stuff throughout his childhood the same david who's called the man man after god's own heart in scripture 
the same david whom luke records in chapter uh, uh, acts chapter 13 verse 36 as someone who served god's purposes in his generation it's the same david who wrote with confidence psalm 23 he says the lord is my shepherd and i shall not want even though i walk through the valley of death i will fear no evil is the same david this very david that's so intimate that experiences god in different contexts different seasons of life and circumstances is the same david that we see here in psalm 22 who groans with agony and is honest with his pain and suffering and he says why god why god have you forsaken me sometimes we have this wrong idea that if our prayers involve our fears and frustrations and anger and pain and confusion and doubts it's unchristian christians don't do that and so we sometimes buy into that lie that anyone who prays like this who are honest and raw with their emotions to god they don't have faith in god that's uh, the assumption we have but david's extreme pain and suffering leads him into prayer even in his suffering and doubting and uh, questioning and confusion and feeling of abandonment david expresses his faith and intimacy with god by saying my god my god that's not lack of faith that is having faith david then gives a detailed description of what is happening to him and the people involved and how he is processing it and how he is feeling about it and only then does he ask god to intervene And so the psalm Psalm 22 teaches us to not just tell God what we want him uh, how we want him to help but also to pray through and struggle through and wrestle through all the questions the doubts the pain that we are experiencing in the here and now It is important to note that our prayers especially in time of pain and confusion it, it doesn't come clean and sophisticated and ironed out and polished but when you are in pain and confusion this psalm reminds us that your prayers are not necessarily clean look at this prayer if you read the psalm uh, you, you notice that uh, david is talking about the relentless attacks of people he feels uh, who are against him people who are making him feel like less than human he feels like a worm he feels dehumanized Also you will notice in the psalm that he dehumanizes others in his prayer by referring to them as animals. See in our sinfulness when we are in the thick of pain and confusion sometimes we tend to view people that we are angry with or that we hate as less than human. And David is being honest about that with his God. Also in times of pain prayer is also is all over the place it's like a uh, um, a waves it's up and down it's raw and it's honest and it's all over the place look at it in verse 1 to 2 david says he feels abandoned and confused by god's unresponsiveness in verses 3 to 5 david remembers god's faithfulness in the past david verse 6 to 8 he tells how helpless and and shamed he feels verse 9 to 11 he remembers god's past care in his own life Verse 12 to 18 he describes uncontrollable people and circumstances that's causing this pain and confusion and hardship in his life and in verse 19 to 21 he asks God to intervene and rescue 
And so what this is showing us is that prayer, prayer doesn't need to be polished. It's all over the place. It's okay. Come just as you are and process it in the presence of God. And so he, David here is feeling up mo- one moment and then down the other and that's okay. It's better and healthy to be honest with all that's going on inside of you than to pretend as if everything is okay in your life. Be honest with God. Over the years, many Bible scholars have pointed out that the gospel writers have connected Psalm 22 to the life and death of Jesus. But we need to remember that Psalms is a prayer book for the people of God, especially Psalm 22 is David's prayer. It has also been the prayer of thousands and thousands of people throughout the centuries in their time of suffering. It is precisely because of this long history of this psalm in the community of faith. Jesus, as some have pointed out, chose these words of David to reflect on his own pain and suffering. And what is Jesus doing is he's taking the prayers of David and the people in history and he's self-identifying with humanity's pain and suffering. And so on the cross, Jesus is not just sympathizing with human suffering. He's identifying with your suffering and my suffering. That's why he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How can suffering and God's love exist at the same time? Is one of the questions we often struggle with. How can God's sovereignty and suffering exist at the same time? It can exist. And this is revealed to us on the cross. Look at the cross. Jesus on the cross displays God's sovereignty and love in suffering. Not only that, Jesus entered into our suffering and pain so that he would have victory over it. Jesus entered into our suffering and pain so that he could heal it by the power of his love. We don't know why God allows evil to continue, but We know that it's not because he doesn't love us. Around two years ago, uh, at around 1 a.m., I heard my oldest daughter, Joel, crying. And my wife, Angie, was nursing our newborn second daughter. And so I quickly went to check on my uh, daughter, Joel. And when I got there, she was sitting on her bed and crying in the dark. And I looked at her and said, Joel, Appa is here. Appa means dad in, uh, in my language. So Appa is here and, and do you need anything? And she was disoriented and, and fought through her tears. And she said, I lost Amma. Amma referring to her mom. And I consoled her saying, Amma's here. And Angie, who was feeding our second daughter, she assured her and said, I've been here all along in the dark and Joel didn't see her. And surprisingly, Joel was able, once she knew her mom was there, once she knew that her mom was with her in the dark, she was able to go back to sleep again. And while Joel thought and felt she had lost her Amma in the middle of the night, in the midst of the darkness, the reality was her Amma was with her the whole time and her Amma didn't lose her. Now and then, we all wake up in the middle of the night and in the middle of the darkness, so to speak, when we experience pain and suffering. And we feel so disoriented and confused and overwhelmed and afraid and lost. And God in Jesus says, 
I am here with you in the thick of your pain and suffering. It may appear that I'm not here with you. You may not be able to see me fully or clearly. But I am here with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. In Psalm 22, verses 1 to 21, we see David's questions and cry of pain. And in verses 22 to 31, we see David's song of deliverance. And we can speculate that at some point the next day or even after a few weeks or months or years, we don't know about that. But David experiences God's deliverance. And so he goes to the uh, people, his community, and he praises God and he tells them about what God has done for him and celebrates with them. And that's what we do, don't we? We invite the people of God to share in our grief and also in our celebration. Then David uses his deliverance story to, uh, <laughs> with all the joy and, and enthusiasm, he points to God's act of salvation and deliverance throughout the world and to all generations. Now, it is important you don't miss this. While we see David singing praises of God's deliverance, we do not see that the deliverance answers the why question. While the why question may never be fully answered in this lifetime, it reminds us that the one in whom all things were created and the one who holds all things together is the very one who not only identifies with our suffering, but he also suffered for us. And walks beside us when we face our suffering. Jesus is God with us. Our own suffering opens our eyes and makes us sensitive to the suffering in this world. Sometimes we don't know, sometimes we don't know what to say in response to people's why questions or how to solve the problems. But we comfort others with the same comfort we have received, which is the non anxious presence of God. Psalm 22 opens and closes with two statements Jesus made while hanging on the cross. And it begins with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But the psalm also ends with, he has done it, which can be translated as, it is done. And in the original Hebrew, it is, it is finished. Jesus' last words on the cross was, it is finished. Did you know that there are two times that Jesus says it is finished? John records both of them. One at the end of his gospel, like I had mentioned earlier, on the cross, Jesus defeats sin and the devil and death and he says it is finished. The second time we see John recording it in Revelation chapter 21 when he has this vision and John says, after Jesus returns to judge the living and the dead, God himself will be with his people and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from every eye. Death will be no more. There will be no more mourning or crying or pain. Old things have passed away. Now it's all good. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And listen to this. Jesus will say on that day, it is done. And so we see it in the Gospel of John. It is finished. And in Revelation 21, Jesus saying, it is done. We are living in the middle of it is finished. And it is done. 
Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection makes way for God's healing to break into the here and now. And today God is healing and restoring and there's no doubt about it. I can share personal stories and stories that I have uh, encountered of other people experiencing miracle stories after miracle stories of what God has done in their life. But I can also share at the same time story after stories of heartaches and pain and suffering. The reason is because we are living the, in the in-between of it is finished and it is done. But there is going to be a day when everything will be made right and creation will be healed and restored. And in other words, God's healing has begun. It is here, but not fully yet. Let me explain it this way. When you are traveling to a destination, the signs on the way are not your actual destination. You don't go to a sign that says 50 kilometers to Toronto and stop your car there and get off your car and hold on to the sign and say, I'm here, I'm here. It's only a sign that's pointing to the destination. Signs basically tell us that it's coming. It's coming. In the same way, every miracle we experience is a sign that one day God will set all things right. What is your greatest pain? I want to invite you to name it and express how you feel about it to God. Is it fear of death? Is it loss of a loved one? Is it a betrayal of a friend? Is it fear of the future? Is it a recent medical diagnosis? Is it anxiety? Is it depression? Is it suicidal ideations, broken relationships, disappointment with God, disappointment with your own self, disappointment with others? See, in the in-between of it is finished and it is done, God reminds you and me that in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, God has not only overcome the world, but he has began his good work and he is with us in the here and now. And one day he is going to bring complete healing. And even when you are disoriented in the dark and feel abandoned and say, I've lost sight of God, God doesn't lose sight of you. His grip on you is stronger than your grip on him. His non-anxious presence is ever present with us. And what God does is he invites us, you and me, to be a witness for him by not only being comforted by his non-anxious presence, but also being present with people as a non-anxious presence, especially people who are struggling with pain and suffering. Church, I want to invite us to pray as we close. God, thank you because you are God with us who hears our cries, our groans, our aches, our fears, our frustrations, our doubts. Jesus, you are our hope. And because you are our hope and because you are connected to us, there is hope for our tomorrows. Hope that a change is going to come. Hope that trouble doesn't 
have the last say. Hope that troubles don't last always. Hope that God, you're not finished with us yet. Hope that weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Hope that God, you can do something about our struggles. And you have began that in Jesus. Hope that God, you are with us in our suffering. And God, may we rest in Jesus, our ever-present hope in times of trouble. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope today's teaching provided you with life-changing truth and valuable insight. We hope you've learned of some practical steps forward in your spiritual journey, whether you're finding Jesus for the first time or you have been following him for years. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by what you heard today? We invite you to share this podcast so they can be encouraged too. For more information or to ask more questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for the Erickson Covenant Church.